welcome to an All Saints podcast. I'm Connie Willems, and with me today is Brock Bingaman. Hello. And like all the All Saints podcasts, this is going to be a discussion about all things theological, spiritual, and leadership. But today, in specific, we're going to be continuing our talk about encountering God in Scripture. We wanted to start just by talking a little bit about what Scripture is, as if that's not a huge enough topic. So I'm going to throw that out to you, Brock, and just say, if I had to ask you, what is Scripture? What would you say it is? Scripture is, what we have to think of it in terms of the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament and the New Testament, the apostolic writings. And we oftentimes don't do that. We think of Paul and the New Testament, and we really, Jews were people of the book. And so if you read especially the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, you see that these people are people of the book. And their whole life revolves around the revelation of who God is given to Moses. And so the word law, Torah, is important for them. So that, I think, is the background for any answer to what Scripture is. That it's about the book. Now, on a super basic level, yeah. and I, we haven't talked about this, so I don't know yeah. what your answer to be. When if, if I were to say Scripture and Bible, interchangeable? Yes. For some, I think technically maybe not, but yes. Yes. I think for Christians, those would be interchangeable. But again, I think we're so, we have to look at our roots, the Jewish people. And the Torah, the law, the instruction was a revelation about God. So where they got off base and where Jesus would have addressed this in the Gospels is they began to shift the focus onto the writings themselves, the instruction, the law, the Torah. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're missing the point. The Torah the law, the instruction, the revelation given to Moses is about God. It's not a relationship with the law or the books or the writings or the scrolls. It's actually an intimate relationship with God. So the prophets say this. Hosea and Isaiah say, hey, you have great relationship with the book and you might even do all the worship correctly and follow the law, but your heart is far from me. So Jesus, in that prophetic tradition, calls the Jewish people back to, this is an interaction with the living God, not with the words that God has given. And I'm not sure that I would know how to separate the two of those. Because when I pick it up, at least for me and how I deal with it, I'm picking one up right now, I'm actually picking up a book. Exactly. And this is a book with a lot of pages and a lot of words. It's inherently, I was about to say, it's inherently a relationship with a book or a phone or whatever it is we're actually encountering the words on. Well, you mentioned the word Bible means Biblia, and it's basically a collection of scriptures, a collection of writings. So I like to think of the Bible as a library. And so we've got this library from Genesis to Malachi and then from Matthew to Revelation. It's a vast library of writings written over a great expanse of time. And so it is a book. 
it's a collection of books, and I don't think we distinguish between the two. We love, we love the book. We love every word in it, and like the book of Deuteronomy teaches, I mean, we write this spiritually on our hearts, our minds, our hands, our children, our homes. I mean, we're permeated with the writings and the words of this, but all of that leads to God. And which, for Christians, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In here, which makes sense because John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word. Yes. So the idea of Word, and the Word was Christ. But the idea of words being somehow central to God is not foreign then. No. Christ is the Logos. He, he is the Word. And so I think we're dealing at the same time with two of our talking points here. One is pitfalls of approaches to Scripture, and then the other is what is Scripture. I think of what Jesus says in John 5, because again, he was a rabbi. He was a rabbi well-versed in the Torah and had memorized much of it. It was written on his heart. And so this is why he was constantly butting heads with the Pharisees who also knew the Torah inside and out. And so he says this in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, just looking here, uh, at verse 39. So John 5, 39, and he's talking to the religious leaders, and he says, you search the scriptures, you, you search the law, you search Torah, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that testify on my behalf. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So here he's addressing the people that know the scriptures inside and out, and yet they're missing the word himself who's standing before them. So I think there's hidden in there a diagnosis of a problematic approach to the scriptures, and then an antidote as well, the resolution of that problem. How would you see that approach, the problem with that? It, it obviously is an approach that stops at the end of the book itself. Mm -hmm. Somehow we miss the bigger thing behind the book, or yeah. in the book, or under the book. You got it. Well put. I, I think people, a lot of Protestants especially, have a relationship with the Bible. And they are doing precisely what Jesus is talking about in John 5 here. They have, they're in love with the writings. But they would love the Bible. There's nothing wrong with Nothing wrong with Bible. that at all. We want to adore and treasure and value and live by but there uh, the bible itself almost becomes an idol to them they they love the bible and they worship the bible and yet in the meantime the presence of the word who might disrupt their understanding of the bible or jostle their theological system or the Holy Spirit, they begin to encounter the Holy Spirit in new ways, and whoa, their interpretive system of the Bible begins to shake. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about, do you have a relationship with a book? And that is the means to an end. I can have this relationship with a book, and in the end, I can control that. Or does the book serve as a means to a greater end, and that is an encounter with the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? As you are describing that, I am remembering that there are times when I have had the relationship with the book. I have too. I can tell it's happening when I'm reading something, and I come across something that's disturbing, or I don't understand, or it doesn't make sense, and I'm kind of like, ah, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just slip right over past it. Mm -hmm. Or I will 
read the book and I'll think, that was great. I loved it. And I can kind of have a sense that God would like to interact with me about what I just read. And I just don't want to open the door to go there. I'm too tired. I don't have space. Not enough time. And I'm like, I got the book. That's fine. Mm. What does it look like for you? Well, I think there's times where we are just tired. and may, But if the Bible is searching us as we're reading it, and the Bible really is objectifying, uh, the light is shining on us and in us, and we're being searched out as we're reading it, we're going to be challenged to change. It's going The searchlight of God, the loving searchlight of God is going to search our minds and hearts as we interact with God through the Bible and there's a constant invitation to change and be transformed, that's challenging. But think about it. If I can objectify the Bible, and I am actually the one doing the searching and the analyzing, it's a subtle shift here. I am actually in control of the way I interpret it, and I'm reading these commentaries, and I'm learning these various things. I'm in the driver's seat. Oh, but it's so attractive, and the commentaries are so wonderful, and doing the word searches... Throughout the whole, I can yes. get wrapped up into just tracing an idea or a thought. And totally that, wrapped up. And that's wonderful, isn't it? Intellectual curiosity, the yeah. life of the mind, that is wonderful. So we're not disregarding of that. But what if the Bible is a means to an end? What if the Bible is a sacrament in itself that leads to someone and something greater? If it's the sacrament that leads to someone and something greater... There's a little bit of intimidation How so? with that. It's that thing that says, look, I just wanted to sit here in my living room with my cup of tea and open the Bible. I didn't want an explosion to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I want to drink my tea and read a little bit. I just wanted to have a nice, I wouldn't say this, you know, in the front of my mind, right. but the back of my mind might be saying, I a nice thought for my day. I needed some encouragement. Right. I did not need an explosion of God to take place in my heart and mind. I need some biblical Zig Ziglar, <laughs> right? I don't need oh the prophet goodness. Isaiah in my business. Now, that I, is a great way of saying it, the biblical Zig Ziglar. Zig I, I confess that there are times I'm just like, just give me something to get through the day. That's right. Now, is there a place for that? Yes. And God is... God is a consuming fire. So when you open the book, you're interacting with a consuming fire. Like smoke begins to rise off of it. Meaning God, we interact with God and God wants all of us. Mm. But is there a time to just hang out with God? Yes. That's why I think there's different approaches of even encountering God through Scripture. There's a time to laugh, a time to not take ourselves so seriously, a time to laugh at stories in Scripture and... Be, so there is, I, I believe there's a time to take a cup of tea and read casually. So we're not talking every single time it's got to be this explosive encounter, but there is something healthily dangerous about reading the Bible. I know that there are times when, I think when it comes to the other kind of danger, when there's a danger to my soul mm -hmm. about how I'm approaching it, or when I see others falling into it, we fall into some pitfalls of how we approach scripture. Yeah. And one of them is what I just mentioned, which is that we see it as this is a collection of encouraging thoughts that's going to get me through my day. Yeah. And part of what I want to do when I approach it is just find my nugget for the day, mm -hmm. which definitely happens. 
But if that's all that I'm usually looking for, then I'm diminishing what scripture does. That's right. It's kind of a self-help toolbox. And so I just need it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Another one that I, um, I've actually fallen into, and it's odd to say this because I, it's easy to fall into this if you're teaching or communicating to others is to use scripture as kind of a life manual. Mm. Like there's really good principles in here for how you're supposed to live your life. Mm -hmm. So let's find the, the principle about what we're supposed to do in marriage or parenting or in a relationship and how do we handle all these things. Mm -hmm. And there's really good principles in here, which there are, Yes. but there's more. There's more. So the pitfalls are maybe just little kind of smaller views of what interacting with God through Scripture is. So the yeah, you've got the pragmatic use of the Bible, and then you've got kind of this self-help manual. But again, if we're looking at what Jesus says in John 5, the words of Scripture are intended to bring us to Christ himself. And so I think a third pitfall is we don't do that. The words of Scripture become an end in themselves. And so the accumulation of knowledge about God, the accumulation of knowledge about Jesus, learning all of these spiritual, religious, theological themes without an ongoing sense of encounter and dependence and desperation, opening the Bible as a hungry person in need of of nourishment. I would imagine that in your seminary classes, that was a continual pitfall. Certainly. Yeah, and some of the most deceived people are great theologians. Wow. Just like it was in the first century with Jesus. Today, we've got seminaries and graduate schools and pulpits, lay people, lay theologians who know the Bible inside and out, but their heart has grown cold. Their heart has shrunk and actually use that knowledge to control or manipulate other people, and they don't let the Word of God objectify them and speak to them with revelatory power. And it's, I mean, we've all done that. I've done that. I've used the Bible or kind of had a an one-upmanship. You know, I know that, and she doesn't. All right? it's, it's devious. It's devious. As you're talking, I'm remembering some seasons of my life when I have been feeling disconnected from God or not really alive in Him. Mm-hmm. And I've kept reading scripture, and there's something really good about that continual practice of continuing to take it in, but I could feel this really subtle shift in me that says, I can't really connect with God, can't really deal with Him, can't really relate with Him. Fine, I'll just do scripture. (laughs) Yes. And there's no life in it, but that's whatever, I'll learn it. And there's this it's really subtle, mm-hmm. and I can feel it happening in me. Yeah. And I think your articulation of that, we walk through seasons of life where it's just difficult, and we actually read the Bible, meditate on it, memorize it, pray it, because there's something right about that, and it gets you through tough seasons. But over the long haul, that is not sustainable. I mean, that is exactly what we're talking about, the the mind and the heart begin to shift and we're not encountering the living God. We're not desperate. We're not saying, I can't understand this fully. I can on an intellectual level, maybe, 
but that that's not satisfying to me. I want this book. I want this to be a conduit through which you come to me and you change me. What has helped me in those seasons is when I actually get honest about what I'm reading. Instead of just going, I'm reading scripture, I'm fine. Or I'm still connected, I'm doing fine, I'm reading scripture. When I get honest about it and I'll read a passage and I'll either say, you know what, I don't really believe that right now. Mm -hmm. Or I'll say, that passage is describing something that it looks like should be normal for life with God and I have no idea what that's talking about. Describing someone else or something else. Or when I'll look at it and say, if I tried to pray that, I have no desire to pray that passage. I have no desire for that thing Mm -hmm. that's being described. That's what helps me come back to a place of reality Mm. when I'm actually engaging with it. I did that with 1 Peter. I'm still doing that with with 1 Peter where he talks about this incredible, amazing hope that is keeping people alive. And I read that and went, I don't think I have experienced that kind of, I don't know what he's talking about. I have experienced that kind of hope. And it helps me to engage with looking at it and saying, there is something here about God himself that I have yet to experience. And that's beautiful. I mean, that to me, you just articulated what we call in academic circles a hermeneutic, an interpretive approach to the Bible right there. And it's an openness. It's a hermeneutic of friendship with God. What an incredible grace. So you're talking about not just reading it, even if it's difficult and it bounces off your mind or heart, You, I don't understand that. So by nature of who you are and your relationship with God, your approach to the Bible is through friendship with God. So you engage in conversation. I don't understand it. What is hope? This is actually one of those words. It's kind of cliche. God, I feel, or it's used politically. Teach me about hope. Yeah. And... Even to look at that and be able to say that's more than just a nice scripture verse. Mm. There's something real about that that I can encounter with God. Mm. Because it would be simple for me to go, oh, that's just a nice passage from scripture. Let's put that on a poster on the wall. Yes. But it doesn't actually come off the page and mean something to me. So we're at what, what I think avoiding pitfalls and these various things is what kind of approach to scripture in light of these things are we going to take in all saints and watching you listening to you talk even today about the way that you interact with god you've written a book or two on this very thing an invitation to interact with god in scripture um what would you say is something in light of our vision casting and our looking at all saints how are we going to approach the bible in all saints. That's our first track, right? It's yeah. we're starting with scripture. We're starting with biblical exploring, studies. Exploring, experiencing God, encountering God through scripture. What what would you say about our approach? I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the idea that this is a window mm-hmm. that opens up to God, mm-hmm. who is that flaming presence, that explosive flaming presence. Yeah. Not all the time, but there's something in here that should reach out Mm. well it's actually the holy spirit he wrote the book so he indwells us there's a dynamic aliveness Mm. that comes through these pages that's right and you keep pointing to the 
the, the book here, the Bible, for if you're wondering this, she keeps pointing to the, the scriptures that we have laid out here. So there's an aliveness. So you mentioned earlier too commentaries and kind of getting buried in that and, and lost in a good sense. Those are the kinds of things we're going to do in All Saints as well. I mean, we're going to have really great study Bibles. We're reading footnotes. We're reading commentary. We want to search those things out. But what you're talking about, there's something more to it than just that. There is this soaking mm-hmm. in. Part of it is truly understanding what's there, actually there. We were speaking about a passage earlier today and looking at it and saying, wait, what does it actually say and what do those words actually mean? Mm-hmm. And I find that there's this often a huge rush to go toward a commentary and answer that mm-hmm. rather than just sitting there and really looking at the passage mm-hmm. and saying, God, what are you saying? Yeah. I'm going to stay here with this long enough. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to expand my circles of exploration and discovery and study and let you bring all that to life in me. I'm not going to say, if I read a commentary, oh, I assume that he got that right, right. and I now understand it. Right. I'm going to let God collect all that and do the aliveness thing. It's a great plug for what we're going to be doing at All Saints. And you get to do this with other people. That's the beauty. The early church, they did this. Jesus himself, they dialogued, they conversed, they debated, they argued in a constructive way about what is God saying to us. In All Saints, we want to bring together two worlds that are oftentimes disparate or disconnected. And that's usually you're going to study the Bible academically and you're going to analyze and use commentaries and parse things out and do that. Or you're going to study the Bible prayerfully and devotionally so that it engenders worship. In All Saints, we're going to bring those two together. And again, I think that's what Scripture itself, the New Testament, shows us. And that's the pattern. This is why it's important to study Uh, early church history, because that's what they did. It wasn't either or, it was both. Rigorous study. And there's a third aspect that you're bringing into it. Um, Even in how I was talking, it could be misconstrued as I individually myself get to be the Mm. arbiter of this passage and what scripture means. And if I stay by myself with my own interpretation, there's a there's a pitfall in that. Yes. So I need not only the community around me, but the community of history as well to yeah. inform my understanding. Wow, well put, Connie. And that's part of, frankly, Catholics and Orthodox and Anglican traditions uh, are a little more familiar and accustomed to that. Protestants like to think we have the fresh interpretation. We're able to strip off these various traditions and also we kind of have an anti-communal understanding and approach to scripture. And so we want to unlearn that. Mm. We want to realize that, yes, we actually read and understand and live according to scripture in communion with the body of Christ. Is there a way that you would sum up then what we're going to encounter at All Saints as we dig into Scripture? Hmm. Well, first, uh, I would say, back to what I said earlier, Scripture is a sacrament for us. So just like 
the bread and the wine are not just bread and wine in themselves, but they're meant to bring us into the presence of the living Jesus. Which is what a sacrament does. Exactly. It's a, a mystery. It's a physical object, a sign, a symbol that points to someone, something else. It draws us into participating in the mystery of who Christ is. The Bible, likewise, is a sacrament, a living in that, sacrament. we get access and drawn into the presence of Christ. That's right. So we modeled this previously. We prayed a passage from Scripture. And so in this All Saints context, that's what we want to do. We want to study it. We want to look at it. We want to analyze and use some of the best scholarship and tools. And at the same time, we want to see the Bible as an avenue of worship. We want to have our hearts inflamed with love and our minds flooded with the light of God's truth. And so that's what we're going to be uh, be searching out. There will be times where maybe we'll have great commentaries and we're looking at tools and we say, this is so good, we're stopping right now and we're going to worship. And that and should happen. That, that will happen. That's the spirit behind what yeah. we want to do in yeah. All Saints. I'm looking forward to it. Could we uh, just say a, maybe a prayer along, Absolutely. along this line? Maybe you and I could just pray brief kind of bullet or arrow prayers about this. I ask, Lord, as I was seeing in the scriptures this morning, the text in 2 Corinthians 4 about beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus. I ask that you would teach us about beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus through scripture. And I confess, God, that I don't know, this passage has mystery in it, but it's in 2 Peter 1, and it's talking about we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed, and we would do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women were moved by the Holy Spirit as they spoke from God. And God, I would ask that we would stay with Scripture long enough that we would perceive it as a lamp shining in a dark place and that your light would begin to dawn in our hearts. And would you give us the attentiveness just to stick with it as you begin to shine that lamp into our hearts? And Lord, we, we love the Word of God, and we love the God of the Word. So we ask you to continue to teach us. We love you. What a great way to end a conversation about Scripture with all saints. Been really enjoyable, Brock. Thank mm-hmm. you. Likewise, Connie. Always fun. And we'll have more of these at some point. If you want to find out more about all saints, you can visit us online at www.allsaints.com. Dot center. We are open for enrollment now, so if you are interested in All Saints courses, you can also find information there. Yippee. We will talk to you again soon.